Jamestown Mayor Eddie Sunquist caught up with us on what's happening with the distribution of American Rescue Plan funds, municipal broadband, and more. We have Jamestown Mayor Eddie Sunquist joining us in studio today. Welcome this morning. Thanks for having me, Julia. Appreciate being here. So we're basically at the one-year mark for when municipalities first receive their um, American Rescue Plan Act funds from the federal government. So where are we now? A year later. I mean, a lot has happened in the last year. I mean, it's, it's don't kind of, skip over that. Well, no, I'm not going to skip over the fact. Obviously, you've you've done a lot, but you know, you know, between either the public hearings with the public meetings with the public, yeah, presentations at council, and a multitude of council meetings. But where where do we stand with the funding and what is happening with it? Well, as you were just noted, over a year ago, we received the first tranche of funding, which is about $14 million. Uh, in May, we should be set to receive the second tranche of our funding, another $14 million, just over $28 million in total funding to the city. Uh, when we realized we were going to get that, as you mentioned, we started public meetings across the city and got a lot of feedback from our residents, all really great things that went uh, to put it together in a master plan. Uh, that plan was ultimately adopted uh, very late in, I think, December, end of December of last year. Uh, and so our team, once it was adopted starting in January, started to put together the programs that were going to match almost for $28 million worth of funding, which is a lot, uh, considering we have not added any additional staff to those programs. And it's just folks doing their normal daily job trying to assist with it. Uh, so where we're at now, we just submitted our, our uh, quarterly report uh, to the Treasury Department. Uh, we have allocated or spent about $3 million of the $28 million, so there is a lot left to go. Uh, and then we were uh, we finally got a, got a chance to have council accept programs, uh, which involved economic development and a couple neighborhood uh, programs, about uh, just under about $5 million uh, worth of funding. So we still have a long way to go. Um, we spent funding on necessary equipment and other items for the city. Uh, but there's still a lot to be done and we're trying to push out as many programs as we can based on the advice of council because as your listeners may know uh, it is a pot of money and the city council has to approve programs uh, before we can get them out the door mm -hmm. one of the questions that um, came up and i didn't get a chance to as we you know with with the way work sessions meet there's always this, these executive sessions at the end so we don't always get as members of the media to ask officials questions at the end of meetings. So one of the things uh, with the Jamestown Local Development Corporation, the resolution to contract with them for $500,000, it was voted down last week in April's meeting. And then it's back on the agenda today uh, This for this month. And Director of Development Crystal Surdick talked about it with Finance Committee and then again with the full council. But one thing that I want to kind of, I, I, we weren't sure, and this is when I say we, Jason Sample, our WRFA general manager and I have talked about, is there anything legally where the city has to contract with an outside organization be, to distribute ARPA funds like they do with loans? I mean, because in terms of contracting with JLDC, or is, it's, does that not come into play with uh, grant monies but like the ARPA funds? So they certainly don't have to. Uh, for the administration, it made the most logical sense because the Jamestown Local Development Corporation was originally created under urban renewal uh, in order to get funding from the state and get it out to businesses. And that's something that they have been doing in terms of loans and grants for a very long time. The American Rescue Plan Act specifically allows and encourages the use of not-for-profits and others to help uh, with this funding. And so for us, we thought that's the best course of action. 
uh, because the JLDC, the Jamestown Local Development Corporation, is still responsible to the city council. Any loans or uh, things over $100,000 must be approved by the city council. And members of the city council and the public serve on that board. So it gives uh, an even larger, unique perspective uh, to, to the funding going out, especially as it relates to economic development funding. Because, mm -hmm. you know, one of the things that came out of, you know, comments that were made at least at the city council meeting were by uh, council member uh, Andrew Faulkner was concerned over oversight. But as you mentioned, there are city council members who serve on that JLDC board. Yeah, by by the bylaws themselves, uh, the city finance chair, uh, Kim Eklund, serves on it. Uh, the city president, Tony Dulce, also serves on it. Uh, so there are uh, pretty, pretty powerful members of council that already serve on that board and have a say in how that funding is doled out. Mm -hmm. So, and I will have this story in our, our newscast, maybe a little bit more about uh, JLDC this week. It seems like Doing this contract seems to be beneficial to the city because what I'm getting or the impression I'm getting from Crystal Surtick is that they can't do it with the staff they have, all these ARPA, new ARPA programs. Is this, am I on the right track with that thinking? You are absolutely on the right track. You know, think about it as this. Uh, the city has a $38 million budget, right? And we have uh, 450 employees uh, that uh, deal with a lot of city services, not necessarily administration. Uh, but we're now adding $28 million into the mix. And uh, by doing so, not proposing any additional staffing. So when we already have a staff that is managing funds, both on a federal and state grant basis in our Department of Development, who already have a full workload, uh, who, as I mentioned to council last night, are all unionized and have every right to grieve the city for additional work and additional funding, uh, it makes no sense for the council to allocate almost $5 million and not try to add an additional position to help manage those funds. Uh, as I jokingly told the council, I welcome any council member that wants to come and review and help us deal with all the paper applications we're about to get to spend over $5 million. Uh, now it, it's a bit in jest, but it's also I think also you mean reality. five million, not five hundred. Uh, five million, yes. Sorry, <laughs> uh, you know it's a it's a bit in jest, but that's the reality of it. Is we we need to be able to bring on staff to manage that funding, to manage the processing of the applications. Our staff is already taxed, and we've had cuts over the years. And uh, to be able to say, okay, we're just going to get this money, and oh by the way, you get to do it yourself, and just add it to your day job. There's no way we could do that, and that's uh, that's that's not reasonable. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking with, I mean, spent three million so far with other money on the books to be doled out. Uh, question is, and I think I've asked you this maybe last month as well. Public safety that's coming up for discussion soon for the ARPA funding. So we've had several public safety items that have come through. So various equipment and other things that are uh, uh, police and fire and others have needed. Uh, but I did mention last night at City Council that uh, we are going to be proposing some additional uh, public safety plan. So I've been working diligently with the council and the unions uh, to talk a little bit more about uh, some additional changes to public safety that will be able to utilize ARPA funds. So we're working on kind of putting that presentation together. And I guess as a teaser or a preview for your listeners on the next work session, uh, my office will be uh, putting together a presentation not only on public safety, safety, but a program that we've got uh, starting to work with the school district 
on sidewalk plowing. Mm. And May 16th is the next work session. So listeners, you have a little bit of time to get that on your schedule to tune into the council meeting or attend if you want to know more. So moving on to another topic, uh, you held uh, last month an informational session on municipal broadband and about your know, results of a survey and also the results of a study that was done. Where, where would we go from here at this point? So we were really excited to be able to complete a feasibility study in terms of a municipal fiber, municipal broadband program. The city of Jamestown is really unique in the fact that we already provide all of the utilities, except for natural gas, uh, to homes and businesses across the city through overhead wires. You know, the feasibility study laid out a plan for the city to create a, a very low cost and high speed a municipal fiber network that could be able to pipe internet to every home and business here in the city. Uh, so where we go here, go from next uh, is the creation of a broadband committee made up of members of city council as well as uh, BPU members and members of the public. Um, we've already had about five to ten applications of people that want to join uh, the committee. So we're working to put that uh, together now. And we're really trying to use this committee to help us figure out, is this something we want to do? Is this something that we can move forward? At the same time, we're having conversations with our state and federal partners. And what we're hearing is that this is a very unique situation. And they are hoping that if Jamestown goes forward with it, that we could become the model for other cities across New York State. Uh, just a, a backtrack, as your listeners may or may not know, is that under the last budget for New York State, uh, the ability for a city to provide municipal broadband has been explicitly authorized now under state law and funding has been provided uh, almost $300 million just in this first round alone uh, and over a billion dollars for broadband initiatives from the state coming from the federal level to the state. Uh, so we had discussions, had discussions with the state broadband office. Uh, we are the farthest city ahead. Uh, out of any city in New York State, and they're looking at, at us as a potential model uh, for others across the state and potentially across the U.S. Mm -hmm. And one of the things you mentioned in there was something I wondered about, which is, you know, the explicit authorizing of states, because I know one of the roadblocks in the past has been, you know, can cities do this in New York State? Can a city not just provide it, but can they, you know, make it a service or, or however it may be? And are there other legal issues possibly standing in a way other than, you know, what you mentioned just now that is now authorized by the state? So our feasibility study actually took a look at the legal issues and provided a legal memo uh, from our uh, various attorneys, both from the BPU side and from the city side. And at the time, we found that there was no, uh, no law explicitly allowing it, which is okay. It's a gray area. Uh, we had discussions with the Public Service Commission, which ultimately regulates our utility company. Uh, they do not regulate internet, so there was no problem there. Uh, so really, we were working with uh, Senator May, State Senator May, Rachel May, who was really pioneering a bill in the uh, legislature that would explicitly allow municipalities to do that. And we're happy to say that that bill got through in the last budget cycle. Uh, it does explicitly allow municipalities to do that. And more importantly, the governor now allows uh, the, the state to lease out its fiber network. So if municipalities, maybe they don't wanna create their full fiber network, maybe they wanna be able just to utilize fiber that already exists and maybe really isn't being used by the state in their right of ways, uh, can now do so. Does the city have its own fiber right now? 
It does. The city has a fiber ring that goes through the downtown core, through the Board of Public Utilities. Uh, it is leased out to other companies, and there's a, still a lot of space. The city uses it to connect its substation and others, but mostly we lease it out. Mm-hmm. That's kind of funny because that was one of the things is that, well, do we have fiber? And so there's no laws around, you already are leasing it out. We are. Yeah. yeah. So, the, so the city is essentially making money, at least on some we do. of it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, how, uh, where are we with the commission? Do you, how soon do you think you're going to be making those appointments? Can people still apply to be on that? People can certainly still apply. They can just go to the city's uh, website, jamestowny.gov slash boards and apply for it. Uh, we're hoping to try to get that squared away by the voting session at the end of May. Uh, but it is an ambitious goal since we just got it out. Uh, but we're hearing that funding uh, could potentially be coming down the pipeline sooner than later. So we want to make sure that any board or commission that gets together understands uh, what funding might be out there before they make any decision. Mm-hmm. And as mentioned many times before, uh, you know, with the federal infrastructure bill, that broadband was one of the things that was in there. And we were both at the announcement where state uh, U.S. Senator Chuck Schumer said September seems to be the big date for when maybe money will start rolling out from that. So I imagine he probably wanted to have that board in play, at least thinking about what the city may want to do before the money's available. Absolutely. We've certainly had conversations with Senator Schumer and others on the federal level. And we're again, we're in a unique position here in the city. And one that uh, not only could put the city on the map, but has real economic development benefits. We look at places like Chattanooga, Tennessee, where their utility company did this exact same thing and started to see a rise in car manufacturers showing up in their city, uh, mostly because they had the internet to connect to their engineers across the pond. Mm -hmm. Um, Moving on to another topic. It wasn't one that I gave you a heads up before, but with... uh, Legalize marijuana, legalize cannabis in New York State. Uh, what is happening with uh, the city? I always keep asking for, you know, what, what is happening, if there's anything you can announce. Uh, I The Grow Jameson event had a seminar on the 23rd of April at the Beer Snob about the topic. What can you tell us about legalized marijuana right now? Well, it's still legal, uh, first and foremost. Uh, So we're really excited to uh, be on some of the cutting edge of uh, the marijuana or cannabis industry here in the city of Jamestown. One of our biggest, biggest goals here was to uh, really see cannabis as a manufacturing sector. And how could we bring in not only the growth of uh, plants, but also all the ancillary businesses that are needed, the testing, the packaging, uh, the uh, the lighting systems that are needed, right? We're looking at Jamestown as a potential hub for the ancillary businesses. We often call that a cluster economy. And so we've been really focused on trying to put those services together. And we are you know, very pleased to be able to, to say that we have a wide range of businesses that are obviously awaiting or in the process of getting licenses. Uh, we have everything from a very large growing facility that has recently purchased um, a million dollar facility uh, in the in the city, all the way down to small growing co-ops uh, that really want to do very customized uh, products. Uh, and we also have some dispensaries along the way. We have a couple in the city that are eager to start, have been vetted by our staff, uh, and have been working with the people that they need to in order to be prepared. Uh, to apply for a license. And what's really unique is that the folks that are applying, especially on the dispensary side, uh, do qualify for uh, minority and women-owned business uh, or veteran 
or there's also a category for those with prior uh, convictions uh, for marijuana usage or possession. So we're proud to say a lot of our uh, dispensaries already fall in those categories. So they'll most likely be one of the first few to get the licenses. Uh, but they've been working very hard. And I, and I got to tell you, starting this uh, out, uh, well, gosh, what was it, a year ago or two years ago at this point? I'm not sure. Uh, we had a lot of people with a lot of dreams. And we now have people that have fully flushed out uh, plans that uh, we believe will probably bring in a significant amount of economic development dollars to the city. Mm-hmm. Are we still waiting for a lot of that guidance or criteria from the uh, Office of Cannabis Management for, in the state? Certainly so. We're, we're, very, we're still waiting. The only thing that the cannabis Office of Cannabis Management has issued is hemp growing licenses, uh, of which there is one in the area, one that's actually growing in the city of Jamestown. Uh, but we are still waiting on other regulations. We have an idea of what the state will most likely say, but we're not quite sure. And you can't apply for a license when you don't know the criteria yet. So we're still waiting uh, for all of that. But I can tell you that uh, what we anticipate the criteria is uh, the businesses that are looking at starting in the city are going to produce some really high quality jobs. And we're really excited about that. You know, large grow operations need botanists, need white collar workers, need people that have science degrees. And as you mentioned the other night, there was a Grow Jamestown After Dark uh, that brought in individuals that are working in the cannabis sphere. And I, rem- I got a chance to meet one that is a chemist out in Buffalo. And that's her background. She does chemistry and biology, and she helps uh, grow uh, cannabis plants for medicinal and other use purposes. On other topics, it's now, like I said, it's May. Weather, it seems like it's actually going to get warmer, and that means a lot of other activities are are starting to come forward to city council for approval. Uh, What is happening with uh, summer events in the city? You know, this is turning out to be a very busy summer. I think last night at city council alone, there were six or seven different applications uh, for summer events that are popping up, and we're hearing a lot more along the way. So we're very excited about those things. I can't wait to be able to go and enjoy some of the things. And this year, we've even focused on more events for families and kids. Uh, So we've been really lucky to bring on uh, Patrick Smeraldo and the uh, Children's Collaborative Children's Solutions, uh, which has put together a lot of really great events uh, for the city. Uh, We heard there might be a Christmas in July coming, which we're a little excited about, uh, as well as kind of a start to summer kickoff. Uh, and then the city itself will also be engaging in a Labor Day festival uh, again this year. We've we're put it on hiatus for a little bit with COVID, but uh, we're excited to finally be able to bring that back. And we're seeing other groups just popping up along the way. Uh, last night alone, we got a chance to hear from uh, the Third Thursdays, which are an, an event that's held on Winter Garden Plaza, a music event. Uh, the Third Thursdays of every month, as it's called. Uh, the public market is coming back. Uh, We have the Jamestown Pride Festival uh, that's going to be joining us as well, and a whole bunch of others that we're starting to hear. And it's really a wonderful thing. It's it's showing that the community is healing and that we're able, we feel comfortable now to come back. I think now the big question is what's going to happen with the, if there's going to be a festival for the Comedy Center and whatnot, uh, you know, more information I think to come, but uh, it's great to see and we're starting to see people come back into the city. Anything else you'd like to give an update on? Things that are coming up in your world? Uh, you know, just we're excited for the summer. I think that's a really, it's a really great time. And I really want uh, families and people in Jamestown to enjoy it. 
We're seeing a lot of new faces in Jamestown, a lot of people moving into the city, and we want to show them what Jamestown is really about. Now that COVID is kind of, I can't say disappeared because it certainly has not disappeared, but now that it's subsided, uh, we're taking more precautions than ever. Uh, but we want to show folks that are, are looking at Jamestown for the first time or have recently moved here or even coming back that what a wonderful and incredible city this is. Mayor Sunquist, thanks very much. Thank you.